listening to First Church Charlotte. Still in the 23rd Psalm, and so those of you who know it, you can say it with me. Those of you who uh, want know the King James Version, but not the uh, version I'm reading it in, you're welcome to follow me on the screens. And so let's get started here. You can start with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. We'll stop there. (laughs) He leads me in the right paths for his namesake. My title is Better Than a Sign. You will understand as we move along in this this, um, uh, time together today. Let me read a scripture from the New Testament. This is Romans chapter number 8, verse number 14. Only those people who are led by God's Spirit are God's children. Only those people who are led by God's Spirit are God's children. How many of you want to be led by God? Just real quick, give me a a raise of your hand there. I want to be led by God. I I don't want to rush past that right now. Lord Jesus, as as a church, we pray for your leadership in our life. Each one of us, Lord, we're so far from perfect, and yet through grace you have chosen us and invited us to be your family. And so we want to be led by you, Lord Jesus. We're asking for the sensitivity to hear the gentle knock upon the door of our heart. We're praying for the sensitivity to hear you in the still small voice. Not always need a storm, but to hear you in the still small voice. In Jesus' name we pray. And can some church folks say amen. Amen. All right. Uh, I am going to use a passage of Scripture to instruct us in the manner of uh, sacred story. Uh, You guys hear me use that phrase a lot because uh, Bible stories are not just uh, fairy tale type stories. It's not as though we've been given some cultural inheritance of a story that we grew up hearing and now it's a part of our culture. No. It is true that because we are Judeo Christian and our cultural inheritance, there's a lot of Bible stories that you may have grown up hearing. Uh, and that is, that's a good thing. But I want to make clear the stories given to us in the Word of God are not primarily a cultural inheritance. They are primarily a scriptural instruction. Do we, do we all understand that here today? Give me a good amen if you understand what I'm saying. We cannot let biblical stories in some way diminish to the point where they're kind of a fairy tale status that we share one with another. No, there is life in these stories. There is sacred life in the stories we are given in the scripture. And so although many of us grew up in a Sunday school format and we enjoyed David and Goliath, who didn't like the story of David and Goliath? We grew up 
in a format where we enjoyed the story of Noah and the ark. Yeah, it's a great story. You're still trying to figure out how Noah got the monkeys to behave. It's a miracle. It's a great story. But I want to remind all of you believers that we're not just doing culture here. We are believers (laughs) in the Word of God. And every story given to us is profitable for our instruction, for our spiritual growth, for theology, for prophecy. It is all given as God's gift to us. And let somebody say amen. So uh, the sacred story I'm going to use as a teaching instruction is the story told in the book of Exodus, chapter number 33, where Moses is at a transition point. He is, he is striving to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, but things are going to be different in the place of divine blessing and promise than they have been in the journey from uh, Egypt to promise. Uh, I have preached this before. This isn't new to you. Uh, God has this method by which he allows us not simply to Uh, in some way be religious or Christian or spiritual, but that we are placed in the context of personal growth, personal maturity. We grow in understanding. Let me say it this way. Some of the troubles that nearly destroyed you when you were a young Christian should not be causing you the same amount of difficulty. There should be a maturity. We should day by day be transformed more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And can I have an amen? And so you see this in the story of the house of Israel where in Egypt they are utterly broken, oppressed. They are, as it were, dealing not just with difficulty, but they have had generations of slave mentality that has been placed in them. The manner in which a slave survives and copes is quite different than the manner in which someone who is free liberated copes, and it's quite different than the manner in which someone who is blessed and exalted copes. Do you see? And so in Egypt, they could not fight for themselves, so God did not ask them to fight. Do you see? The battle was not theirs. It was the Lord. And what did the Lord do? He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. When you can't do it, God will do it for you. But it's not always a testimony for the student when the teacher keeps doing his or her work. There comes a point where you're not just supposed to say what God has done for you, but now you begin to testify of what has God, God has done through you. That's the transition you see here between wilderness experience. They don't have strength. They don't have ability. God is keeping them. God is feeding them. There is manna when they wake up. Their shoes don't wear out. I know some of you husbands wish your wife's shoes didn't wear out, but your your baby needs shoes. Mama needs some brand new shoes, so you best go into work a little bit early. Can I have an amen? Uh, My wife is past the stage of even trying to convince me her 
her shoes has wore out. She just tells me of what she has purchased in the name of the Lord. And who am I to stand in the way of the Lord? <laughs> uh, so well, my wife, it ain't shoes, it's boots. She'll wear boots on the 4th of July. Anyway, moving along. <laughs> Their shoes haven't worn out. They are favored. They are protected. They are blessed. They are kept. In fact, more than that, they're not even required to walk in faith. They have a sign given to them in the daylight and a sign given to them in the dark. All they have to do is follow the sign that God has given them. And so when it's dark outside, what do they have? They are given, they are given, they are given a, a pillar of fire to guide them in the darkness. Nobody has to have a special prayer meeting saying, dear Lord Jesus, where should we go? Now, I know it's the Old Testament, but just work with me here and save your criticism for lunch when people will have to listen to you. Wait till then. But here they are. Lord, help us. What are we going to do? We don't know. They don't have to have a seven-day fast. They just have to wait for the sun to set and look for the fire. They got a sign. Somebody can say a sign in the middle of the day. I don't know how many of you drive on uh, 485 on the south side of the city, but if you do, at the nuclear power plant at Lake Norman, there's always a pillar of cloud. There's always a pillar of cloud. I, I drive that part of town almost every day, uh, and that I, 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 every day I see the pillar of cloud, and I, I say within myself, man, I wish it was that easy to know which way to go. Just look for that pillar of cloud by day. These children of Israel, they're not having to have a seven-day prayer meeting and a 13-day fast. Uh, they are simply following a sign. Right. Now, how many of you love when the Lord gives you a sign? I love when the Lord gives me a sign. Like I wake up in the morning, I say, Lord, if you want me to have some dessert today, I want you to make me hungry for dessert. And it's amazing how the Lord always gives me a sign. It's, you know, it's like, Lord, is it your will? If it's your will for me to have chocolate today, then let me see some chocolate. And I always keep some right there on the bar so I can follow the leading of the Lord. Uh, signs are awesome. I've talked to so many believers who, in a time of questioning, they look for a sign. But I want to preach to you today and perhaps surprise you by saying this. There's something better than a sign uh, in your life. Stay with me. Uh, I'm thankful for every sign that God has given me, uh, but there's something better than a sign. In fact, it can be, and this is shown in the Bible, not preaching this, don't have time, another message, another day, that it can be a, um, it can be a sign of a lack of faith uh, in our life for us to demand a sign from God. In fact, um, it is a testimony to Thomas for the Lord to say to, say to him, uh, touch the uh, prince in my hands and the, the wound in my side, but a blessed is the one who doesn't need a sign in order to believe. It can be a sign of faith, my brother, my sister. Somebody say faith. Somebody say, I need some faith. Smile at your neighbor. Give him a grandma finger. Say, you need some faith. Uh, I'm thankful for every sign in my life, but the biggest decisions of my life have not been accompanied by a sign. 
I wish I could tell you otherwise, then I could make it easy. I could just say fast until your belly button falls off and you'll get a sign. But the difficult times of my life have not been resolved with a sign. They've been resolved by me walking in faith, foot after foot, step after step, stride after stride, believing, trusting, and walking, believing, trusting, walking, looking for a sign, but there's something better than a sign. This is the moment of transition in the story of the house of Israel. Uh, They've been walking for 40 long years with visible signs. There's manna placed there every day for them. But there's another lesson here. I won't preach this today, but you can just take this as a discount rate. You know, the manna was never placed where they just could grab it. They always had to go get it. The blessings of God in your life often are placed where you have to reach for them. God doesn't let you lay in bed and him put panna, manna in panna, panna era. That's where Panera Bread Factory came from right there. Um, uh, God put Panera Bread Factory in your hand. God won't let you sit on the couch and put manna on the table beside you. No, he puts it outside the place where you are harboring yourself. And he says, it's here. I want you to reach for it. I I think someone in this house needs to reach for some things that God has put just on the periphery of your life. And if you could let faith begin to rise in your life, you could reach for what God, I'm not preaching on that. Don't, don't no one say amen. I'm not preaching on that. All right, moving on. And so here we are in this transition. And uh, Moses has led people, and every day they've had a sign. Somebody say every day. Every day, every day, every day, every night they've had a sign. And it's not just the, the, the ones we've celebrated already. There's more signs. The Bible says that rock that followed them, uh, that was Christ. Signs. I love signs. And uh, Moses could speak to the rock and get water, or he could break the shadow and uh, teaching image and strike it. God still gave water. There was signs. There was all of this that God had done for them. Bitter waters, get a branch and throw in the bitter waters. It'll teach people that no matter how bitter your waters, uh, this this branch of hope and promise turns bitterness sweet. Lesson after lesson, sign after sign. You can preach a long time on the signs of the wilderness, but now we're going up into uh, the promised land. But here's what's interesting. God told them to go, but the cloud doesn't lead there. (laughs) God tells them to go, but the pillar of fire doesn't lead there. Do you see? Uh, You go because I told you to go. And here Moses is struggling with this. All of us can be led uh, by things that are um, basically of the flesh. Uh, I think we all should agree on this here today. Um, All of us have things in our life that we can follow. I I wish I was able to say that all of us are 100% spiritual, 100% of the time. But if I said that and you believed me, you poor darling. Um, uh, None of us are 100% spiritual 100% of the time. Um, Let me talk about real quick some things that lead us that aren't of God. We oftentimes are tremendously influenced by culture. Uh, We pick up the habits of our society. This this isn't something that is biblically helpful to us or spiritually instructive to us. Um, It leads us in the path of the flesh. In fact, Paul would warn us, Romans 12 and 2, do not copy the behavior or value values of this world. Instead, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then. Somebody say then. Then. 
What's going to happen? God's going to change the way I think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. I don't want to be led by this world. I want to be led by God. I, I, I don't want to be led by my friends. I have some spiritual friends. I have a lot of friends who aren't as spiritual as they think they are. <laughs> But enough about people sitting over here. I, 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 <laughs> just, just got enough. Uh, I have, it's good to have unbeliever friends. It really is. In fact, I worry about a so-called strong Christian who doesn't have any non-believer friends. I mean, who, who would you win? The preacher? <laughs> I mean, you're a light, but to who? I mean, it's like, okay. I, how, but there is a wisdom in this issue. You, you should be careful of friendships where your faith is weaker than their bad habits. Now the question can fairly be asked, who is leading who, dearly beloved? Who is leading who? Hmm, how about them apples? Who is leading who? Uh, if God brought you out of alcoholism, you should be a little bit worried about whether or not all your friends are alcoholic because you go to do outreach at the bar, and we all know how that ends. Oh, I was led by God. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Was that an arena where you were weaker than the people you were supposed to be a light to? Mm, I'm getting more amens from this side of the church. I think there's a lot of guilt over here. I just want you all to know God loves you. I love you all as well. I'll give you a good hug after church, and we'll be okay. Um, so, uh, yes, I can be led by my friends, but, man, it can get me in a mess. First uh, John 3, verse number 7, do not let anyone lead you the wrong way. Can I get an amen from this, this guilty, the guilty side over here? All right. Uh, do not let anyone lead you the wrong way. Christ is righteous, so to be like Christ, you must do what is right. And anyone who keeps on sinning, just let this be a blessing to you guys over here. Anyone who keeps on sinning is being led by the devil. Hmm. Just let that, be a, let that be a blessing to you over here. Um, I can be led by my idols. What do I mean by idols? Uh, idol is anything that is a substitute for God. Um, if, if you think it's your career that's going to make you happy, that's become an idol because it is a substitute for divine meaning in your life. It's not, gonna, it's not enough. It might be enough right now because of the season of your life, but the seasons change. Is that fair? Um, and so uh, anytime I have a substitute for God, um, it is an, a type of idolatry. Uh, Deuteronomy 18 gives us this image of how people look to substitutes for God, never look to psychics or seances or fortune-telling or the stars or people who claim to contact the dead. People who do these things are doing evil, and God hates it with a passion. I can be led by my circumstances. There's many examples in, of this in the Bible. Uh, you can read Acts chapter number 27, stories from Paul. Won't go into it for time's sake, but I, I need to be suspicious of the Lord opened the door. Just because a door opened doesn't mean the Lord opened the door. And so we do all things prayerfully, and we do all things in moderation, and we are careful, uh, be careful that the door that opened in your life, uh, be careful you say the Lord opened that door. Uh, there's a lot of doors open in your life that God is trying to close, honey, and you're the one trying to open that door. You've got a stopper wedged in that door, and God's trying to save you, and you're just dying. Anyway, move it along. Finally, I can be led by my feelings. This is probably the most common for all of us. We're led by our feelings. 
feelings. And I, even behold I, one as spiritually astute as even I, who have an sin to their charge. Thank you very much. Don't look at me. Don't look. My wife has her head in her hands, and she's taking her head. Uh, so you probably shouldn't believe that. This is what I want to say. I can be led by my feelings, but my feelings aren't God. There's something more potent in your life than feelings, and that's promise. And whenever your feelings are at war with God's promise, please, by the mercies of God, stand upon promise and let your feelings uh, float away. Proverbs 14 and 12, you may feel like you're on the right road and still end up dead. That sounds like a good country western song right there, don't it? Maybe you should write a country western song, it feels good, but you're about to die. Just let that be a blessing to you over here. About to die, dead, dead. It's coming fast. I'm, uh, y'all pray for me today. Uh, our feelings can lead us all astray. It's like the prophet said, we've all strayed away like sheep. We've all left God's path to find our own way. All right, okay, so back to Gen- uh, uh, Exodus 33. Uh, here Moses is saying, look, if we're going to go in this promised land, um, how, how do we know? <laughs> how do we know? If you're, you know, <laughs> we're used to having a lot of signs, and now you're just telling us we're able. You see, when it comes to destiny, there is a different experience than uh, in wilderness. What, what do I mean by this? Um, when you're coming out of Egypt, the only thing that matters is your next spiritual step. And as a teacher, preacher, you hear me talk about what is your next spiritual step a lot. Because honestly, you have the next step that you can make. And all that matters is where you are, not where the preacher wishes you were. And the only thing that matters is your next decision, not what your grandma wishes. Your grandma wishes that you were Billy Graham. But, um, you know, you, you all that none of that matters. What matters is your next spiritual step. How do you get out of Egypt? One step at a time. Um, But when you get to the place of promise, somebody say promise. When you get to the place of destiny, somebody say destiny. It's a different feel. It's a different feel. It's a different feel. There tends to be a disagreement in your heart with God. God says you're able to do this, and there's there's something within you like, nah, 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 I can't do that. Not me. What are you talking about? Really? There's this, at the place of your destiny, there is this disagreement with God. But they're giants, you say. And the Lord whispers, you're well able. But, but, but we're like grasshoppers. And the Lord says, I said you can do it. In the place of your destiny, it's not about one more step. It's about, do I go up to die, or am I able to accomplish what God said I was able to accomplish? And this is a difficult challenge. Almost all of our purpose and destiny is fulfilled in this arena of our inherent disagreement with what God says we can do and what we think we can do. Because if we always let our word override God's word, we will always fall short of who God said we could be and will always fall short of doing what God said we can do. God's going to take you to a point where you stand on the edge of promise and you're going to look into the land and it's going to scare the fire out of you. And if you stop because you're scared, you're going to go back to a place where you have to always be reassured. Come on. 
And when churches do this, they turn into self-serve organizations where they need to be reassured and they need to be blessed and they need to be reminded that they're saved. They can't see anything beyond themselves. They become their own purpose and thus it's as though they become a dead sea where the living water flows into them but because it can never get out of them, it becomes a dead sea. And so, uh, here's Moses. Lord, how do we know? How do we know? How do we know? Look, Moses said to the people, verse 12, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And what does the Lord... Now, remember the context, the transition between wilderness experience to promised land. Every day having a sign, and what do you do in the promised land? Every day you live on a promise promise. You don't have a sign every day. You have a promise every day. You don't have reassurance every day. You have God saying, this is your land. I gave this to you. Dwell in it. Live in it. Prosper in it. You didn't plant it. You didn't build it. You didn't grow it. But I have given it to you. Stand upon the promise of your spiritual possession. Stand upon it. Claim it. I don't have a pillar of fire every day. I don't have a cloud of smoke every day. My shoes wear out and I have to grow my own wheat and make my own bread. But this is God's promise. It's the difference in living with daily reassurance and living upon the promises of God. And so the Lord says this to him. Look, I, uh, he says this, verse number 14. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, I I just want to, I just want to, point out something here. I've already been saying it. I've already been preaching it, but I don't want you to miss it. It's this. Let me tell you what's better than a sign of God in your life, and that's the presence of God in your life. Let me tell you what's better than a touch. Oh, I got to go to church. I need a touch. If I don't get a touch, I'm not going to make it. Let me tell you what's something better than a touch in your life, and that's God's presence in your life. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me that I am his own. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for every sign God has given me in my life, but there's something better than a sign, and that is God's reassurance. Look, I'm going with you. You're not facing your destiny alone. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to live with you. I have to stop being led by my culture. I have to stop being led by friendships. I have to stop being led by substitutes for God. I have to stop being led by circumstances. I have to stop being led by my feelings. I have to do what Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Those people who are led by God's spirit are God's children. Let me read it again. Those people who are led by God's spirit, led by God's spirit, led by God. Do I repeat myself, led by God's spirit. They are God's children. 
We are like Moses. And something happens right here that I want you to see. I want you to see this because Moses in this passage, and you can read it. Uh, it's, 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 in fact, I encourage you to read it. Uh, this whole area of uh, Exodus is just rich with insight, um, as is all the word of the Lord. But we're talking about Exodus 33 right now. So uh, Moses is going to ask the Lord, Lord, all right, this sounds good. You know, I'm excited. Your presence is going to be with us. I, I, I want to know your ways. I want to see your face. Would you show me your glory? Show me your glory. Show me your glory. I love glory. I want to see some glory. Oh, glory, glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Since I leave. All right, I got some support over here. Y'all are still guilty over here. But they've got some support over here, which is good because normally they're the ones who are guilty. And so uh, I want to see God's glory. I want to see God's glory. I want to see God's glory. But here's the thing. Nobody can fa see him face to face and survive. It's a problem. I can't see his face. Now, in biblical teaching, there's this imagery involved in this, which uh, you have to understand this. And this is just, isn't just a Christian um, idea. You can listen to the teaching of rabbis, and they'll talk about the same type of a thing. The difference in the face of God and him passing by and you seeing as it were not his glory but the trail of his glory now now get that get that with me here not his glory but the lingering results of his glory not the glory but uh, the hinder parts as it were the not the, the the face of the king but the train that fills his temple Amen. oh hallelujah the train. And, 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 and uh, here, here Mo, uh, Moses is like, man, I, I want to see your glory. And the Lord's like, ah, that's going to kill you. You ain't built for that, honey. Uh, that is, you are not, you do not know what you asked for. Thank God for unanswered prayers. Amen. You think of some of the people you prayed that would like you when you were a teenager. Have you seen them recently? God's been good to you. And uh, you, wanted, you wanted to date them so bad. You see them on Facebook. My Lord. Jesus, take the will. Uh, unanswered prayers. I want to see you face to face. Yeah. Lord said, oh, whoa, uh, hold that thought now. Tell you what, we're going to do something different. I, I, I'm not going to show you my face because you won't survive that, do you see? It's too much for you to bear. What I'm going to do, I have this cleft in the rock here, and I'm going I'm to put you, oh, hallelujah, man. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. Smile at somebody say, I'm in the cleft of the rock. I'm in the cleft of the rock. Tell them, tell them say the storm's bash, but I'm in the cleft of the rock. Yeah, I got trouble. I got trouble. I love to see young people tell their mama, yeah, I got trouble. You ain't got no trouble. What are you talking about? You don't know what trouble is. You just wait till you have mortgage trouble, and then there'll be a different kind of trouble. I'm in the cleft of the rock. The Lord says, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'm going to cover you with my hand, and then I'm going to pass by, and you're not going to see the glory, but you're going to see the trail of the glory. Let me, let me now use this teaching image in the same manner that even a rabbi would use this image that I think is so powerful and so uh, beautiful, and that, that, that is this. He puts Moses in the cleft of the rock, and he passes by, and uh, the Bible says this. He said uh, in the passage, he said um, that his, his presence 
would pass and his glory would pass. And then he, he says this, I will make my goodness pass before you. Verse number 19. Please, verse number 18, please show me your glory. And the Lord says, uh, you can't take my glory. Let me show you my goodness. Yes. And if I could preach, that would be so. Y'all, y'all, this, y'all be swinging off those cameras back there if I could preach that good. I wanted to see glory, but God said, You can't take glory. Let me show you goodness. You see, I can't see what God is going to do, the face of God, but I cannot be confused about what God has done. <laughs> you see, I, I can't imagine what God is going to do. But I have to be the first one to say he has made his goodness pass before me. And you know what he says? He talks about goodness and grace. He gives him these two things, goodness and grace. I will be gracious to who I choose. I will, I will, goodness and grace. So I want to say this to all of you. Um, you know, I have no idea what God's going to do in your life. In fact, I can't see where God's going. But let me tell you what I can see. I can see where God has been. I have been, you know why Christians rejoice at funerals? Because we look at someone who their life on earth is done, and now we see them, and we think to ourselves, they're in the cleft of the rock. But look at how good God has been to them. God makes his goodness pass before us. Every one of you, I I, I hope, I I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know God will do great things. But in the meantime, I want to remind you, his goodness is everywhere in your life. God's been so good to me, I cannot tell at all. God has been so kind to me, I don't deserve his ever-loving, everlasting kindness. God has been good to me. This is such a teaching example for the strong believer. We want glory and God shows us goodness. If you only can worship when you think it's glorious enough, you're missing the best opportunities in your life to be a worshiper because God has been good to you. You want glory? God can't show you glory, but he'll let goodness and grace pass before you. And so in the cleft of the rock, you see him see what God has done, and he celebrates in seeing the goodness of the Lord. Something better, my brother, my sister, something better uh, than a sign is the presence of God in your life. This is better than a sign. Uh, this is better than uh, some, something dramatic, something glorious, his presence with you. There's a wonderful story from the missionary Gladys Ar- Arwald, who uh, in, she was uh, in uh, China when the communists took over after World War II, and she was uh, coming out of the region known as Yangchen, and she uh, was fleeing for her life along with some of her congregation. And there was apparently, they, there was almost, you can read her memoirs, but uh, they, they, they thought there was very little hope of them reaching safety. And uh, there was a 13-year-old girl, part of her congregation, that tried to comfort her. And she said, uh, don't forget, this is the 13-year-old girl talking to the missionary, uh, don't forget what you told us about Moses in the wilderness referring to God's presence with them. And uh, the missionary uh, Gladys replied and said, yes, my dear, but I am not Moses. You ever feel like that? (laughs) 
I want to call on Jesus. Yeah, but I ain't Jesus, honey. <laughs> I, 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 I know exactly how she feels. Yeah, Moses was fine, but baby, I am not Moses. And the 13-year-old girl said to her, yes, but God is still God. His presence is better than any sign you could get. Uh, and the result, and I'm almost done, musicians, you can come. The result of his presence in your life is three distinct testimonies, three distinct testimonies. The first testimony is this, rest. Somebody say rest. rest. The Lord says, I will give you rest. I think the greatest testimony of trust is your ability to rest in the promises of God. I don't think there's any greater testimony of trust in your life. And trust is uh, difficult. You know, faith is we say God's going to do it. Trust is if he don't, I have everything I need. <laughs> That's much harder. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, faith says I'm going to be healed. Trust says God knows what's best for me. Yeah. Faith says I'm going to get a raise on the job. Trust says if I don't get a raise, God's giving me everything I need. Yeah. Somebody say trust is hard. Trust is hard. Yeah. But trust is the greatest testimony of the Christian's walk. Why? The greatest sign of trust is your lived belief, not your spoken belief, but your lived belief that everything's going to be okay. I don't know how, I don't know when, but God, you've got this. And I lay down my head and I rest. Am I going to face giants? Yes, as a matter of fact, I am, but I got a good night's sleep. I thought y'all were going to shout on that one, and y'all are just refusing to help me. Stella, you got to lead this crew in a better operation than this. You're trying, you just try to start getting Jackie prayed through. That would probably be a good, a good move right there. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, I, I'm going to fight giants, but, man, I got a good night's sleep. Somebody say it with me. I've got giants to fight. I've got giants to fight. But, man, I got a good night's sleep. Believing God is with you gives you rest. Moses, you got a big battle ahead of you, but you're going to get a good night's sleep. All you have to do is believe that I am with you. Because if I am with you, everything is going to be all right. If I am with you, everything is going to be all right. Are you living in fear? You need to receive this word. As bad as some of y'all need this, you need, to, you need to let this get down into your spirit. I know I've got battles to fight, but I'm not fighting alone. I've got something better than a sign. I've got God's presence with me. And I'm resting upon the word of God. I will give you rest. The second testimony is the uniqueness of a life lived with God's presence upon it. Now, let me point out something here. Uh, the, the, the Lord promises Moses, look, everybody's going to know that I am with you. Uh, you're going to be unique. Why? Because everyone's going to know I am with you. All people, all tribes, all cultures, etc., etc., everybody has unique styles of being, living, dressing, um, uh, hats they wear. If you go down into parts of South America, there's this whole tradition of a certain style of dress, and you'll see kind of a, a 19th century style hat and very colorful clothes. It's their tradition. It's their it's their style. If you go to uh, parts of uh, sub-Saharan Africa, you'll find tribes that uh, they they live even today. 
they celebrate their culture by a certain way of dressing. Um, a certain warrior will wear a certain red uh, a cloak or robe to signify who they are. In nations, there's styles that develop. There's All peoples have unique styles. God's not just saying you're going to be fancy. That's not the point. Everybody's trying to be, in their own way, unique. You can't rock a style and say God is in this. I, I, uh, Sister Bridget, don't let me upset you now. Because you're so fancy, darling. You're so fancy. Every time she walks by, my wallet winces. That's all I have to say right there. Some of you guys are so stinking cute and fancy. I love you. I love how you dress up. I love it all. I love your hat. I love your shoes. God bless you and give you money to show up next Sunday as fancy as you can be. I like it. But God's not in any style. This time next year, it'll be a different style. How are we unique? What is real godliness? I'm actually working. I've been doing a lot of work on this recently. We have all these religious churchy words like godliness or sanctification or holiness. All of these words. What are we talking about? You change churches, it changes meaning. You go to a different generation, it changes meaning. If you land in uh, mid mid uh, ages, it has a different meaning. You understand what I'm saying? What are we talking about? And this is as clean uh, an understanding as I can get. Uh, to be godly is to be spiritually transparent, where people look at you and see God. Your life becomes a testimony of the one you serve. You are transparent. They look at you and they see God. Now that should show you in some way that the decisions you make, the way you deal with frustration at work, the way you handle your money. Oh Lord, I'm getting some folks discouraged over here. They're going to be as discouraged as you guys are in here just a minute. The way you handle money, the way you live, the way it all should be spiritually transparent and show God. And when people look at you, they should not see your values. They should see God. Now, I know that's a high standard, but this is what godliness really is. And this is what God promises his children. You will be distinguished from all the people. How? By a style? No. By the color of clothes? No. How will you be distinguished? My presence is with you. That's better than a sign. And lastly... Uh, the Lord answered, I will do this very thing you have asked, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. To know and be known. To know and be known. Intimacy with God. That's better than a sign. God with us. The hope the hope of glory. And so uh, here is Moses. Show me your glory. Here is the Lord. Okay, let me show you my goodness. I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. Verse 19 and also verse number 19. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. I want glory. And God says, let me show you goodness and grace. So let me give a word to every one of you here today. If you're tempted in some way to be in some small way 
disappointed that you did not have some glorious manifestation. You were a little sad because you didn't have a testimony of manna this week. You were a little sad because you did not have a a pillar of cloud this week. Uh, If you in some way are looking for that which is emotionally impressive to you, I would say to you, in the fear of the Lord. There's something better than that. And that is God's presence with you. And he's going to reveal his presence. How? By showing you his goodness and showing you his grace. Stand with me all across this house. Oh, I want to appeal to you today. Whatever is the pressure points in your life, you're going to have to believe that you stand upon the word of God. Even when you're wincing in the pressure of that moment, what are you facing? What is keeping you up at night? That's what you need to put on the altar. Do you hear me? What's stressing you? What is hurting you? What is limiting you? That's what you need to put on the altar. All of us are uh, have wounds that come against us in our life. All of us have wounds. All of us have things that hurt us. All of us have things that are like a thrust of a sword in our life. Everybody lives with disappointment. Can I have an amen? Everybody takes damage. Everybody takes damage. Everybody takes damage. But my challenge to you here today is no, you are not alone, but his presence is with you. There is a uniqueness about the way you deal with this trouble because God is with you. I think somebody missed that. I'm going to say it again. There's a uniqueness about how you're dealing with this fear because God's presence is with you. What some of you are going through should destroy you. But because God is with you, there is a uniqueness to how you're dealing with this pressure in your life. Some of you are facing things, they should literally be like a spear that has driven through your soul, pinion you to fear, and you can't get beyond it. But you know what? You're surprisingly okay in the middle of it. Why? Because God's presence is with you. It's better than a sign. It's better than a miracle lightning bolt across the sky. It's better than something that you can celebrate in the manner of an emotional experience. It is the knowledge that I am not alone. I have, been not, I have not been left alone. I have not been cast into the fate of despair. But God is with me. And because you are with me, I am more than a conqueror. I am able to be victorious because you are with me. He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. When God leads you, you can't see his face. You're like Moses. Show me your face. But I can't see your face because you're leading me. But if I will follow you, if I can see your goodness and grace, you lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. We're moving into our our prayer time here today, and we always linger at the end of our services because we want to be vulnerable before God, and we want the Lord to work within us and change us. It's not enough just to have knowledge kind of at the head level. (laughs) We need to have uh, submission at the heart level. And so uh, let me just explain what we're going to do. Our our worship team is going to lead us deeper in praise and worship. I'd like all of you to, at the very 
minimum, just turn where you are into an altar. Turn where you are into a place of spiritual submission and take the pressure points in your life and give them to God right where you are. If you're with friends, if you're with your family, why don't you pray one for another? Why don't you reach out, take one another's hand, put a hand on one one another's shoulder, whatever is appropriate. This altar is going to be open. We always have kind of an open altar feel in our services at any time people can come forward and pray. But if you want to step forward, this, this will have people here to pray with you. If you want to step into the aisle, people around you will pray with you. But here's what I don't want us to do. I don't want us just to nod our head and say, interesting, and leave. I want us to humble our hearts and say, here I am, O Lord. So as they lead us in praise and worship, I, I want you to do that all across this house. I, I'll come greet some of you. I'll pray with some of you. But let's turn this whole house. Let's, let's say it this way. Let's not rush away from the presence of God here today. Lord Jesus, we come to you. We bring all our needs to you here today. We call upon your name. Would you let your word live within us, Lord Jesus? Would you let the unction of the Holy Ghost stir us? Oh God, don't let us leave unstirred, unchanged, but let us be moved upon by the power and the authority of your presence in this house here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Find someone to pray with. Step out in the aisle. Come forward. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.